Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. everybody feels like it's been years since i've done a podcast and that's because i've been on the road traveling non-stop with the traveling museum what a busy busy year this has been but now we're moving into the summer months and this is actually when things slow down and that means i can catch up on podcasts I hope to put out as many as I can so that you've got something new to listen to throughout the entire summer and upcoming months. I'm Dinosaur George. Welcome to the podcast, a podcast made for young people who love prehistoric life. This is podcast number 83. Today's date is June 17th, Saturday. And uh, it's great to be back in the studio recording. I've been so busy with the Traveling Museum and and with my my actual museum that it's just it's just been so hard to to be able to sit down and do these and I miss doing podcasts so much. Speaking of the podcast, we now have had 775,000 downloads of it. So we are at 3 quarters of a million listens, which is really exciting. Uh, We're heard in 174 countries and in 13,991 cities around the world. I am so honored, so honored that we have listeners all over the world in 174 different countries. And the reason why we have so many people listening is really because of you. Because you go out and you tell your friends and you tell your neighbors and you tell strangers who you find out like dinosaurs. That's how this grows. So thank all of you. Thank you all for for doing this, uh, for helping me promote this. And most importantly, thank you to the parents who uh, are willing to allow you to listen. It's a it's an honor for me that your parents feel comfortable enough and recognize that this is a very safe place uh, for you to spend your time. So thank you all. Okay, a couple of things going on. One is this new addition to the museum I have here in San Antonio. It's the addition of the skeleton of the world's only teenage Tyrannosaurus Rex. Its nickname is Tinker. Tinker the Teenage T-Rex. Triple T is what we call it. It's a teenager, probably 13 years old. It's a big one. This thing is 35 feet long. It's a big animal. I say, I say teenager, but this thing is absolutely massive. But it is on display in my museum, at least through the summer months. So if any of you live in or around San Antonio, Texas, or you're visiting here this summer, I hope you come out to my museum located at a place called Trader's Village. 
Trader's Village is a giant outdoor market. Now, my museum is inside of a building, but it's at this giant outdoor market where there's thousands of vendors. And it's just, it's a neat place and it's a very family-friendly place. And to get directions to it, or if you want to see pictures of Tinker and some of the other exhibit pieces, go to my website, dinosaurgeorge.com. And click on the Visit Our Museum page, and you can see everything, including directions and all that stuff. So um, so I hope that uh, I get a chance to meet some of you in person, and I hope you can come out. Speaking of Tinker, um, I'm trying to raise the money to buy that replica. It's a replica skeleton, and keep it there on exhibit full-time. I make my museum free. I don't charge anybody to come into the museum. I want it to be free, but I want to keep Tinker. And if any of you would be interested in donating, if you go to the website, again, the website is dinosaurgeorge.com. If you go to the website and you click on the visit our museum page, partly way down you will see the GoFundMe page. If any of you can donate, I would appreciate it greatly. And, you know, sometimes people feel like they can't give a lot, so they don't feel like they want to give anything because they feel that they can't give a lot, so they they don't feel like they can help. Listen, if everybody listening to this podcast donated $1, $1, I would be able to add Tinker as a permanent exhibit. So don't think that your donations are too small. If you can donate a dollar, that would help us a great deal. So again, go to dinosaurgeorge.com and take a look at the uh, information about keeping Tinker a permanent part of my exhibit. And I hope you will be willing to consider to donate. Um, Speaking of that museum, because we are now coming up into the summer months, I will, I'm going to try to be out there as much as I can on the weekends. Now, it's only open Saturdays and Sundays, 10 to 5 local time. So I'm going to try to be out there as much as I can. I hope I can be out there as often as I can. Uh, and it, that way I can meet all of you and talk to you. And I'll try to do some maybe live, um, uh, some live feeds on the Dinosaur George Kids podcast, I mean, a Facebook group page. Maybe I'll try to do some live feeds for those of you that are not going to be able to come to San Antonio, but you'd like to see it. Maybe I can do some more of those and uh, do them on a weekend while I'm there and at least give you kind of a tour. So anyway, if you are coming to San Antonio and you want to stop by and see the museum and you want to see Triple T, Tinker the Teenage T-Rex, I hope you do and I hope I get to meet you. Now for shout outs. First, I want to say that just a few minutes ago, right before I came into the studio, I got a phone call from some nice people in Austin who are coming to the store, uh, coming to the museum tomorrow uh, to see it. And I'll be there to greet them. It was Milo. Milo, uh, Milo's mom called and they are T-Rex Club members, members of the Patriot Club. Thank you, Milo, for being a member. Thank you, mom, for signing him up. So I look forward to seeing him. Also, speaking about another T-Rex member, today, while we were preparing for this podcast, I found out that Dean and his family from Minneapolis 
They are T-Rex members. Stop by the museum. They're visiting San Antonio. I can't believe I missed meeting you. Dean, I am so sorry that I was not there, but that's because I was here preparing to record these podcasts. But thank you for coming by. And then finally, with one of my traveling, well, with my traveling museum, I met a young man named Paul, who's a listener, who turned 11 on June the 12th. And I wanted to give Paul a shout out um, since I met you there at one of the events. It was a, it was a pleasure meeting you. Okay. Um, uh, speaking of shout outs, one of the benefits of being a T-Rex member of the Patreon Club is you get the opportunity to hear a shout out for your birthday. And because I have been gone for so long, I was not able to do May shout outs for birthdays. I missed all of May. So in this podcast, let me give a shout out to all of the May T-Rex Club members who did not get their birthday shout out. I apologize that it's coming a month late. Please forgive me, but I hope that you understand it's because I've been so busy. And then on the next podcast, I will do the June birthday shout outs. If you would like to become a T-Rex Club member of Patreon and hear your birthday shout out, if your birthday is this month in June, you can go to the Dinosaur George website and click on the Patreon Club page. You can follow that link and join us and and, uh, get your name on the list. And I will try to include you in the next one for the June. So for me, Titan Elijah. Well, this is actually Titan Elijah's grandmother had a birthday on May the 5th and he just wanted to give her a shout out. So there you go. James Raptor who turned nine on May the 6th. Leo Raptor turned 11 on May the 8th. Cecilia turned 14 on May the 8th. Archie Opterix's dad turned 39 on May 8th. Man, are you old? Wow, dad. 39 is like, Dinosaur age. Okay, I'm kidding you. <laughs> Micah Raptor. Uh, I'm sorry. Micah Raptor Rex turned seven on May 9th. Asher Titanosaurus turned. Uh, oh, Asher Tinosaurus. Oh, that's even cooler. Asher Tinosaurus turned three on May the 10th. Happy birthday, buddy. Oscar turned eight on May 11th. Jules turned seven on May 12th. Uh, let us see. Alita Titanoboa turned six on May 14th. That's great. Jojo Soros turned nine on May 14th. Dinosaurus James turned five on May 16th. Gerald Gerald (laughs) Philosoph. These names. See, if you become a a member of Patreon, you get to give yourself a nickname. Gerald (laughs) Philosaurus. Gerald. Gerald Philosaurus turned eight on May 16th. Ashley Raptor ten, turned 10 on May 17th. Oliver Raptor turned 7 on May 19th. Andrew Sarkis turned 7th on May 21st. Abel Rex turned 7th on May 25th. Ketza Kenneth turned 8 on May 27th. Scorpius Des Rex turned 7 on May 28th. Charlotte turned 11 May 29th. K Raptor turned, or didn't have his date, but or age, but K Raptor had a birthday May 29th. Robert turned five, May 31st. Charlotte Megalodon, Charlotte Mallow Megalodon turned nine. I don't have the date, but she turned nine. Uh, 
Sienna Ceratops turned five, and Brock had a birthday on May 9th. For all of you, I am so, so sorry that I was not able to do your birthday shout-out during the month of your birthday. I apologize so much. Hopefully this made it up to you. Happy birthday to you all. I hope, uh, I hope, that, you, uh, I hope that you had a great birthday. All right. I think it's about time we talk about our feature creature. It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. All right, today's feature creature is Synornithosaurus. Or Sinornithosaurus, depending on how you pronounce it. I pronounce it Sinornithosaurus. This dinosaur is a theropod, meaning it's a predator that walks on two legs. It belongs to the Dromaeosaur family. That means it's a member of the raptor family. We all use the word raptor to describe these dinosaurs. Dromaeosaur is a better term for it, but it can be confusing. So it is a raptor. It was discovered in Leoning province in China. A lot of dinosaurs come from there. It was discovered in 1999. Its name, Sinos, means Chinese, or Nithos means bird-like, and Saurus means lizard. This animal's name in English is the Chinese bird-like lizard. And, you know, a lot of people say, why are they still calling dinosaurs lizards? When dinosaurs clearly are not lizards, it's because when they were first discovered, The word dinosaur means terrible lizard or terrible reptile. They continue to use that term in naming a lot of dinosaurs. They are still reptiles, but they're just not lizards. But the word saurus can be translated to either reptile or lizard. So I don't want you to be confused when we say this animal's name means Chinese bird-like lizard. And then you go, but it's not a lizard. You are correct. It is not a lizard, but it is a reptile. It's a small dinosaur, about 3.3 feet long. That's one meter long. Weighed about three pounds, which is 1.4 kilograms. It was probably incredibly fast. Very, very fast dinosaur. It had feathers, but they probably weren't made for flying. Now, you guys notice how many times I use the word probably? That's because we don't have all the answers. The greatest thing about paleontology and the most frustrating thing about paleontology is that we don't have all the answers. It's great because it gives you an opportunity to come up with your theories, with your ideas, with your hypotheses, with your guess. But it's it's frustrating that we don't know the answers. And so when we look at an animal like this, Scientists can use a lot of different methods to try to determine whether or not it could fly. They can look at the shape of the feathers. They can look at the weight of the body. They can do all these things. But at the end of the day, there's no way to know for sure if this could flap and fly. It probably was a glider, meaning that it could crawl up into a tree and jump and spread its arms and legs because there's feathers And it could glide silently down on top of unsuspecting prey. 
it could probably run and then using its wings almost like the paddle of a canoe, wings come forward, spread and push them back and giving you an extra little burst of speed to chase something down or to flee. Maybe they could run as fast as they can and jump and glide for a little while and then hit the ground and keep running and glide again. Maybe that's what they did. But it just doesn't look like it's got the right kind of skeleton to be able to flap and fly like a bird. Whatever the case is, where it died, the sediment, that means the dirt or the mud or the volcanic ash, was so fine that it picked up the outline of the feathers. It picked up the outline of the feathers. We know this thing had feathers because the evidence is there. How it used them, unfortunately, is the thing we cannot say with any certainty. It's got three fingers on each hand and they had very sharp claws. And that suggests that they are grasping claws. They are made to hold on to prey. Probably made for climbing trees as well. They would work very well for that. And that would add credibility to the idea that it's a glider. So maybe it's crawling up in the tree. Maybe it's using those claws to grab food. It was probably doing both of those things. Sometimes when we look at a dinosaur, and let's, let's take Triceratops, for instance, and we look at the horns, and the first thing we say is those are a weapon. But there might be other things that it could do as well. The length of the horn of a Triceratops might tell other Triceratops how old it is. Whether it's a male or a female, maybe different colors. Maybe they had different colors on their horns. So the horns can be a weapon, but they could also be a, 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 an ability to use to communicate silently. If I walk into a herd and I see one of them has super big horns, I'm going to assume that one is the oldest one, which means that's probably the strongest, which probably means that's the leader. If I'm a predator and I look and I see one of them has super big horns, I'm staying back from that one. I'm not going to mess with that one. So there can be multiple functions of things. So with uh, Cyanornithosaurus, those claws could be used for grasping and crawling up into a tree to launch itself to sneak attack. They could be used for uh, grabbing and holding prey. They could be used for driving a car. They could be used for playing the piano. They could even use them for changing the station with the TV remote control. So you see, kids. Wait, what? What were those? What were those last ones I just said? Okay, let's forget some of the things I just said. I know right now parents are going, this guy is such a great teacher. He's completely confused my three-year-old who now thinks Sinonithosaurus played the piano. Well, clearly, it doesn't play the piano. It does, however, play the organ, and that is a different instrument. So there. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is that things that animals have don't always have one single function. They can have multiple functions. Um... Now, it did have the curved claw on the foot, and that's what made it such a dangerous little dinosaur. The claws can be used to grab the prey, but the hook claw on the foot is what can be used 
to slash the prey. And that, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, that is what that dinosaur could do. For a minute, for a minute, I thought it didn't have the curved claw on the foot. That's why I said, wait a minute. But uh, it does. It absolutely does. So that curved claw is absolutely a weapon. I have no doubt whatsoever that that is a weapon. Hands could grab the prey. Mouth could grab the prey. But the feet slice the prey. That foot is for slicing and dicing. It had super sharp little teeth made for tearing off pieces of meat. But it is the claw on the foot that is going to be um, that's going to be used to kill the prey or the word dispatch is another way to say it killed its prey. It dispatched its prey. You can use that term because it sounds better than killed. So it dispatched its prey, dispatched its play prey by killing it with its foot. Um, it probably ate little things. It's not made for killing big dinosaurs. It ate lizards, mammals. Probably eggs. Eggs are very nutritious. It probably, if it found unguarded eggs, it would eat them. But because this dinosaur is so small, I maybe wonder if it was nocturnal. Raise your hand if you know what nocturnal means. Let me look around. A lot of people holding up their hand. Good job. Nocturnal means they could see in the dark and they come out at night. It's got really big eyes, so it probably had excellent vision. And so because it's little, it doesn't want to come out during the day when everybody else is out, wants to come out at night where it doesn't have to worry about being eaten by somebody bigger, by a bigger cousin, a bigger relative. So this dinosaur, because listen, it's living in the early Cretaceous. This is 124 to 122 million years ago. There are some big predators during the early Cretaceous that this thing has to deal with. It's not dealing with Tyrannosaurus rex. That dinosaur doesn't show up for several million years. But it is dealing with some other dangerous predators. And so maybe coming out at night would be the thing to do. It would certainly be safer that way. It lived in a variety of different environments. There was lakes and forests and there was probably a lot of volcanic activity. They find that because they find the volcanic ash. But it seemed to probably prefer the really deep, uh, lush forest. Where it could use its, um, where it could use its small size to hide, to ambush prey, and to hide from being eaten or stepped on by somebody bigger. But here's the last thing I want to tell you about this really interesting dinosaur, and that is that some scientists, some paleontologists, hypothesized. That means they made a guess based on evidence. There's a difference between a hypothesis and a guess. I want you young people to understand there's a difference. A guess is, I think this thing had purple eyes. That's a guess. A hypothesis would be, I believe, based on the evidence, its eyes were large because that's what the skull shows. And since its eye socket in the skull is large, then my hypothesis would be, it has large eyes, and that means I think it could see in the dark. See, that is an educated guess. I'm looking at the facts, and I'm making a guess. But a hypothesis is based on evidence. The other where I said I think it had purple eyes, that's a guess. There's no evidence to support it. There's nothing to support that. I just said that. 
So that's the difference between a hypothesis and a guess. So these paleontologists hypothesized that Sinornithosaurus may have been venomous. Now, another group of paleontologists looked at the evidence and they hypothesized that it's not. There's no absolute answer to this question at this time. Maybe some new discoveries could, could change that. But here's why they believe that. Modern reptiles that are venomous almost all have hollow fangs. That's how the venom is injected into the bloodstream. In the case of spitting cobras, they have holes in them, but the fangs are still hollow, but they spray the venom into the face of their attacker or their enemy. But almost all other venomous reptiles bite and the venom travels through the hollow tooth and into the animal. And that's what kills or or makes the animal sick. But there are some venomous reptiles who don't do that. The Komodo dragon, the beaded lizard, and the Gila monster. Gila is spelled G-I-L-A if you want to look up Gila monster. Um, but it's pronounced like the letter H. These, these reptiles have venom in their gums. And when they bite something, as it squeezes when they bite, that venom seeps out of the gum area and runs down the grooves on the teeth. And that is how it gets into the wound. Not through the tooth, but over the teeth. So when it bites, the venom comes out and runs down the tooth and into the wound. And that's how they envenomate their prey. So, looking at the teeth of Sinornithosaurus, they have what appears to be those grooves. So, the paleontologists that did the study, they thought this might represent, this might represent a venomous dinosaur. Could that be possible? Of course it could. Dinosaurs belong to the reptile family. They're venomous reptiles. It came from somewhere. Maybe this animal was. Now, the other people that came along a year later, they kind of cast doubt because they, it seemed like their research countered the earlier research where everything the earlier researchers said, this other group came in and said, no, because of this, this, this. So I, I don't know if this is a venomous dinosaur. It would be very exciting. I would not be surprised if there was a venomous dinosaur, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Why would we be surprised? There are venomous reptiles. Dinosaurs are from the reptile family. It absolutely could be possible that this dinosaur was venomous. And if it is, that would be an exciting thing. All right. When we come back, I'm going to do some questions and answers. I would like to talk about the Patreon Club. So, pay attention if you'd like to become a member. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. 
We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. Let's answer some questions, shall we? Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. Here's Dinosaur George. Wait, that's me. Oh, here I am. Hey, I'm here. All right. Um, just a couple of questions for this this podcast because I don't want it to go too terribly long. Uh, yesterday and the day before, my traveling museum was set up in a library in Lufkin, Texas. Ainsley, who's 10 years old, happened to see there, see the exhibit, and Ainsley sent me this question. Did dinosaurs poop like birds? That's a very... Did I just say the word poop? That's a very good question. The answer, Ainsley, is no. At least not all of them. You see, birds, their poo is usually kind of like liquidy. Some birds have hard poo. A lot of birds, when they poo, it's sort of liquid. And that doesn't turn into a fossil very well. But we find lots of fossilized dinosaur poo, and it is big and lumpy. So the answer, in my opinion, is at least at least most of them probably didn't have that liquid poo. They probably had hard, big she also wanted to know how many dinosaur bones have I found? You know, in my lifetime, if I counted every single dinosaur fossil I've ever found, most of them are teeth. I don't know, maybe 400, 500, maybe. And finally, she says, what dinosaur would you like to have as a pet and why? Thank you. Well, Ainsley, thank you very much for taking the time to write to me. If I had to have a pet dinosaur, well, let me say this. I would want an Allosaurus. It's my favorite dinosaur. That's why I would want it. Unfortunately, after it got kind of halfway grown, it probably wouldn't want me to pet it. And if I did pet it, I would have less fingers than before I petted it. So, I would love to have a pet Allosaurus. And and if I can pretend, then I would pretend he's my best buddy and he wouldn't attack me or she wouldn't attack me. That would be awesome. Imagine going to the dog park and I walk in with a 32 foot long Allosaurus and I'm like, catch the Frisbee boy, catch the Frisbee. And it comes back and it has a car in its mouth. Uh, Allie, put the car down. I said, we're playing Frisbee. (laughs) All right. Uh, Gabrielle, six years old from Nyborg, Denmark. Now it's either Gabrielle or Gabrielle, I must admit, I can never tell the difference between the two. Gabrielle or Gabrielle, please, I am so sorry. One of those two is going to be incorrect. 
please understand I am the world's worst at pronunciations. But I do know this, you live in Nyborg, Denmark, and that is super cool. Dear Dinosaur George, I listen a lot to your podcast. Well, hey, I hope you hear your question. I love dinosaurs, and I've done that since I was two years old. Very exciting. I'm glad to hear that. I have a question about Titanoboa. Does Titanoboa change their skin like snakes today? Thank you very much. Look forward to hearing from you. Well, my friend, that is a very, very good question. Because, remember I talked about hypothesis? You know how, how we talk about a hypothesis? Well, we do something called comparative anatomy or comparative behavior. And what that means is we find an animal that is alive today that is related to a prehistoric animal. We watch how that animal behaves, we observe what it does, and then we can apply that behavior to its prehistoric cousin. In the case of Titanoboa, we can look at boa constrictors, anacondas, we can look at all those animals. And since they all shed their skin, then it's a very good guess. I think a very strong hypothesis that yes, Titanoboa absolutely shed its skin just like modern just like modern snakes. Great question. Thank you so much for listening all the way in your beautiful country of Denmark. Now, Benosaurus Rex from Sydney, Australia. Hey, can I give a special shout out to everybody in Australia? Wow. New Zealand and Australia. Those two places are coming on strong as my listening audience. For some reason, it has exploded. Exploded. In popularity, my podcast has become incredibly popular. And so thank you all so very much. Thank you all so incredibly much for promoting it and letting people know about it and sharing it with your friends. Thank you. So, Benosaurus Rex. Hi, Dinosaur George. Can you please tell us how you know a dinosaur is a male or female from their fossils? I'm a Raptor Club member from Sydney, Australia, and I'm coming to visit you in T-Rex next year. Yes! Yes, yes, yes. First of all, thank you, Benosaurus, for being a Raptor member of the Patreon Club. For those of you interested, Raptor members, the cost is $5 a month. You get two lessons on Zoom, and you get updates on cool information. If you want to be a T-Rex member, it's $10 a month. And if you want to be a Triceratops member... It's a dollar a month. So thank you for being a member. And I'm so excited you're coming to Texas. I cannot wait to meet you. Okay. So how do we know if it's a male or a female? That's an excellent question. Some scientists believe you can look at the hip bones and that might give some clue. And what I mean by that is a female's hip bones are shaped a little different because they have to carry eggs inside of their body. And there has to be room for those eggs. So the hip bones are different because there needs to be room for the eggs. Now, that's what some scientists think. Some scientists believe that you can look at the tail and tell. See, when the female lays the eggs, the eggs come out of a spot at the base of her tail, under her tail. That's where the eggs come out. And some scientists believe that the Shape of the tail vertebra are a little different so that the eggs can come out without bumping into the tailbone. Unfortunately, there is only one way 
that you can say with any sort of certainty if it's a male or a female. And that is when they discover something called medullary bone. Medullary, I hope I'm pronouncing that. Medullary? Medullary. Yeah, I think it's called medullary. When a bird is getting ready to form eggs in her body, she begins to add calcium because the eggs are made of calcium. The eggshell is made of calcium. That needs to come from somewhere. And so it's a buildup of that calcium that ultimately forms the egg to protect the baby inside. Same thing would have been with dinosaurs. Well, that medullary bone only occurs when a female is about to or is is in the process of, of making eggs inside of her body before she lays them. So if you can find medullary bone on the fossil, then it's a very, very, very clear point that that has to be a female because there's no reason for a male to have it. So that's the only definitive way to know. And, and so I, I wish I could give you a better answer, Benosaurus Rex, but there's no other way. I mean, there is one other way. If you ever find a dinosaur holding a TV remote control, that's a male. <laughs> right now, your mom is looking at your dad and shaking her head saying yes, because he has to have the remote. Dad has to always control the remote. Why do dads have to control the remote? Look, let me tell you kids something. Dads only get two things in this world. Control the remote, control for the TV, and control the thermostat on the wall. Mom walks in and screams, I'm freezing. And she turns up the heat. You know, dad can be at work or on vacation on the other side of the world, and he'll know if somebody turned the thermostat down? Because the first words he says is, are we trying to air condition the entire neighborhood? How did I get off on this rant? Can somebody please stop me when I start telling these stories, and the next thing we know, I'm attacking dads for holding the TV remote control. You know what? You kids do this to me. You kids do this to me. You stinking kids. Okay, let's keep going. (laughs) All right. All right. This last one is from Philip, a T-Rex member, age seven, who lives in Falkirk, Scotland. Hey, thank you for being a T-Rex member all the way over in Scotland. Hi, my name is Philip. What if a dinosaur bone is between two layers of dirt? Thank you, El Stinko. Well, Philip, that is a bit. Vi- what did you just call me? What did, what did that kid just call me? What if a dinosaur bone is between two layers of dirt? Thank you, El Stinko. Who is El Stinko? No one knows the identity of El Stinko. Stronger than the Hulk. More beautiful than Wonder Woman. Faster than the Flash. No one knows the identity of El Stinko. I don't know who that person is. Why is everybody calling me El Stinko? Okay. So what if a dinosaur bone is in between two layers of dirt? That happens. That happens. You know, when we talk about the layers of the dirt, Philip, sometimes we talk about Triassic, Jurassic, Cretaceous, and it makes it sound like there's three layers of dirt. But really, each one of those layers is divided into multiple layers, and each one has its own name. 
I don't go into them because it would be very confusing because there's so many different names. I mean, there's so many different layers. So really, if you divide up the Cretaceous layer into three layers, early Cretaceous, middle Cretaceous, late Cretaceous. Okay, so there we've divided it into three. Then you can divide the early Cretaceous into more layers. Super early, early Cretaceous, middle, early Cretaceous, late early Cretaceous. See what I mean? They can keep dividing and dividing and dividing and giving each layer a name. So if a dinosaur bone is found right on one layer, let's say right in between two layers, that simply tells us that that dinosaur lived at the end of one period and the beginning of another. So it just simply says, hey, this dinosaur lived during these times. Because what they do is they, they estimate the age of the layers, and that's how, uh, that's how they get their name. So it's possible, and it happens a lot, where, um, uh, where you have dinosaur bones found in between layers. All right. I mentioned about becoming a Patreon Club member. Here's another amazing thing about if you're a T-Rex member of Patreon Club. Your name is put on this wheel, and during our lessons, we spin the wheel, and if it lands on your name, you get to be interviewed on a podcast. Well, we are going to interview now my assistant. My assistant's name is Noah. Noah is my assistant. He does all these cool things. If you've ever, for those of you that are Patreon Club members, you see all the cool games he puts on the Patreon page and all the all the battles and all that, that's Noah. So I'm going to interview Noah right now. How would you like to be interviewed on a future podcast episode? Well, now you can. Become a Tyrannosaurus member of our Patreon club, and you might be chosen for an interview with Dinosaur George. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com to join the club. And now, let's meet a Tyrannosaurus club member. All right. Um, I'm very fortunate that I have an assistant who helps me with so much stuff with Patreon so much stuff with Patreon. It's incredible. Noah, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yourself? Good. How old are you now, Noah? 40? <laughs> 14 years old. Turn 14. February 2nd. February 2nd. 14 years old. How tall are you now? I just hit six foot on the dot. <laughs> Unbelievable. Man, you're taller than me. <laughs> I'm five. I think I'm five seven. You're three inches taller than me, and you're 14. It just shows how much you look up to me. I do not look up to you. You look up to me. It may mean I bring a stepladder, but you're going to look up to me. So, Noah, how long have you loved dinosaurs? That's a tough question. I really don't remember when it started. My parents say when I was on the cusp of turning three, but I don't remember it. I really don't. I've always loved them. I've always loved them. But it's amazing. So many people go through phases. You know, you like dinosaurs and then you like space and then you like cars and then you like wildlife or flowers or whatever you like. And you're you're a lot like me. I see a lot of you and me in that we never lost our interest in it. Now, as you've gotten older, how has things changed for you? I mean, obviously you liked toys 
and you like the dinosaurs, but how has it progressed for you? Honestly, how it's really progressed is trying to shift my image into not just focusing on dinosaurs, but trying to learn aspects about dinosaurs and the world around them. Like trying to use comparative anatomy, studying modern animals, just trying to get more developed into learning about dinosaurs, just kind of broadening my search image. Right. And that's brilliant. And that shows the level of maturity. As you mature and you grow, you start to look at things differently. I remember when I was five or six, I grabbed the toys and man, I had fights. I had battles. But then as I started getting older, I started thinking about about those battles and I started to find dinosaurs from the same time period. So my battles continued, but they progressed because I started thinking about it. And I see that in you, that that when I have conversations with you, I notice that you are very aware of cladastics, how animals are placed into groups and how dinosaurs fit into groups. Tell me about your interest in that. Follow genetics. I love them. I love breaking it down because when I break it down and you break it down, you can see how groups progress and evolve, changes, how they pick up adaptations over time. And that's really useful to help us with paleontology because we can notice groups, how they change, why are they changing? And we can see uh, changes in the environment. How did they impact the dinosaurs? How did they impact their ecology? So I really find phylogenetics really useful as a broad approach to break it down into smaller groups and see traits and uh, sequences of evolution. Right. Brilliant. Yeah. You know, a lot of times when you're young and you think about Tyrannosaurus, you think of Tyrannosaurus as a meat eater. But the way you look at it is Tyrannosaurus was a member of one group of meat eaters and there's different groups. There's the allosaurs, the carcharodontosaurids, the spinosaurids, the tyrannosaurids. And so you've become more specialized in looking at the branches of the evolutionary tree instead of just looking at the tree itself. Yes, sir. That's that's great. That's great. And and so it helps you understand like you somebody could show you a picture of a dinosaur and you might be able to go that's a carcharodontosaurid. And the reason why I know that is because of this or this or this. And so it's, it's encouraging to see you have an interest at that level. That's, that's exciting. Yes, sir. I love it. It's really useful. It's really helped me a lot. That's neat. So, uh, gotta ask you favorite dinosaur. (laughs) Oh man, it's tough. It's tough. I like the Raptors. Troodon, uh, love the dromaeosaurids, like Microraptor. I've always loved Microraptor, and I love dinosaurs like Anchiornis, key to the origin of flight. Right. And I love them. I love them. But I also love sauropods. And kind of like you with Ankylosaurus, Stegosaurus, they've kind of grown on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool how, yeah, because yeah, to me, it's like, when I first saw Gastonia, I never gave Ankylosaurus a lot of thought. Now he's a little notosaur, but I never gave him a tremendous amount of thought. And all of a sudden, I fell in love with the An- Ankies. And then I started looking, man, they're all cool and they're amazing and all that. So I know how easy you can kind of go between this week 
I like these or this week. I like these. That's that's crazy. So one of the things that you do for me that is you, you can't imagine how helpful is you do a lot with Patreon. Talk about some of the, the jobs you have with Patreon and what you do. Basically, my job uh, with Patreon is really two things. Create posts and help with lessons. I love doing them both a lot. Uh, when I do my posts on the Patreon page, normally what I do, I like to present new information, new discoveries, normally attach an article to it, talk about it. Sometimes I also do polls for interaction, seeing how the club members think, um, which can be useful for when I'm on a Patreon meeting, uh, a Zoom lesson, and I can kind of present how they're thinking, which I kind of use. I also, uh, the past three uh, years, I've been doing the Tournament of Dinosaurs, which yeah. is pretty fun. <laughs> so basically just seeing how the club members which dinosaur they like the best. Right now we have winners. First year it was Spinosaurus, which I was pretty happy about. Uh, second year it was a joint pick, which was pretty cool. Diplodocus and Lyplorodon. And this year it's going to be T-Rex. Oh, nice. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's so cool because there's so many things going on in the Patreon club. And, and I appreciate so much that you do them. And, and I think it's just absolutely great. Um, and you and I have discussed about uh, you starting to host some Patreon meetings. Yes, sir. Within Patreon, there is one group called the Plus. Is it Plus 12 or 13? Did we change it? I think, I think we talked about changing it, but right now we have it at plus 10, 10. 10 plus. Right, right. So we have a group called the, the Plus 10 t-rex members it's the exact same club for all t-rex members but if you're 10 years or older you can be in that one and that one you've talked about uh, maybe setting up a meeting for the older members that you'll host so i'm looking forward to doing that i think that's going to be really yes, cool sir. where you can host your own patreon meeting and i think the the members would probably love the opportunity to do it so we've got to figure out when you're going to do that and and uh get it set up and ready to roll and I think yes, that sir. would be, I think that'd be absolutely amazing. I can't well, wait. It should be great. Yeah. So, uh, are you thinking about paleontology as your career or have you given it much thought? You know, when I was about seven years old, I had a book, Ultimate Dinopedia National Geographic. Always loved it. And there's this page I always looked at that was famous dinosaur hunters. And then, I remember one day I looked at Dr. Curry's slide and I thought, you know, I really want to be like that. I really want to be like that. So ever since that time, I've researched colleges. I've researched the paleontologists at college. I've tried to find out the best path I want to go. Do I want to go down geology? Do I want to go down biology? And I've actually put a lot of thought into this. I have some destinations uh, that I would like to go to, like possibly University of Edinburgh, Scotland, University of Alberta, which has Dr. Curry, um, and others. But I've actually put a lot of thought into this. So it's going to be your career choice. Yes, sir. You're going to be successful. I guarantee you you're going to be successful. And, And it's not just because of how much you know. And I hope all of you listeners have heard how many times 
Noah has said, yes, sir. Politeness, courtesy. Those are just as important as how smart someone is. And that's one of the things that I'll, I'll be honest with you, Noah. That's one of the reasons why you have the role you do with my company. The reason why you are an official assistant of me and this company is because of your manners and because of how polite you are to people. And that means a lot. And you are a great role model for our young listeners. For any of you that want to become a Patreon Club member, you will be interacting with Noah on a number of different things we do on the page. And I would invite you to do it because I know you would enjoy getting to know him. And if you're 10 years or older, if you join the the T-Rex membership, join the plus 10 one. And that way you can be in on Noah when he hosts a couple of uh, events. So um, what would be your dream discovery? If you could discover something that's yet to be discovered, what would you like to find? That's a tough one. A female, a, a female with eggs inside of her. Man, two things: groundbreaking discovery of a dinosaur, like maybe a troodontid, after the asteroid strike. Ooh, that would be great. I would love that one. Um, and second, I want to find Amphilocelus. I want to find those missing bones. Yeah. I, I just, that would be great. Do you know, I read a story about Amphicelius and the last time they saw the bones, they were in uh, South Texas. For real. Yeah. Yeah. The last time the bones, uh, I had done some research and I looked into it. And the last time somebody saw the bones, they were in someone's house in Brownsville, Texas. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Brownsville, Texas. And I tried to find out who, and I couldn't get any further than that. But that was the last reported. Amphicelus is a, is a dinosaur that is proposed to be one of the biggest dinosaurs that ever existed. It's a sauropod. And the bones were found and then lost. Someone took them. Someone placed them in a wrong crate. They could be sitting under Brigham Young University's football field in a crate marked something else for all we know. But that would be cool to be able to rediscover that dinosaur. Well, whatever you decide to do, Noah, you're going to be successful. I, I know you are. Um, maybe one day this company is going to be called the dinosaur Noah company and maybe you'll take over for me and I'll be able to relax and just sit back and, and, uh, marvel at how tall you continue to grow. You'll be as tall as an Amphicelius before all this is over with. <laughs> Noah, do you have anything you'd like to tell all of our listeners all around the world? Um, if you love dinosaurs, keep on growing, trust in God and Continue to learn, grow, never stop learning. Thank you. That's excellent. Noah, thank you so very much. I appreciate you so much, buddy. Yes, sir. All right. Well, like I said, it feels great being back in the studio and being able to do more podcasts. I've got so many lined up. Um, my famous assistant, Alexis, who she and her husband and two children are Uh, in the military and are over in Germany. They're moving back to the U.S. I'm looking forward to having her back. She has put together a ton of of, uh, topics. So I've got them all lined up. I just got to sit down and start doing them. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast. I hope you learned something new. How cool would it be if there would be a venomous dinosaur out there? Maybe one of you will be the one to discover absolute evidence that dinosaurs were venomous. 
Until next time, be kind to people around you. Be nice to people. Tell your parents, your family, your relatives that you love them. When you get a little older, it feels weird to tell your parents you love them. But you have to. Because they need to know that they have they have people in the family who appreciate what they do for you. So let them know you love them. Kiss mom on the cheek. Shakes dad's hand. Slap him on the back and say, hey dad, how about we leave the thermostat alone so you're not as crabby? Visit my website, dinosaurgeorge.com. If you can donate a dollar to the Tinker Project, I hope you will. Look up the Visit Our Museum page and donate what you can. Become a Patreon Club member if you can, because I love having you around. Until next time, everybody, take care of yourself. Take care of the people around you. Be kind and keep digging for dinosaurs, because they're out there. for listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah. Yeah.